Hello, anybody out there. Welcome back to Better With You, a podcast built on the idea that something is better when shared with others. Each episode, we'll take a look at a media work or works or a creator's body of works and talk in depth about it. I'm your host, Gregory, uh, alongside my co-host, Alex. Hello. This episode, we'll take a look at the Metroid series and its return to form with the new game, Metroid Dread. Welcome back to anyone that is new to this. I know we took a break due to the holidays. This is also the first episode we were recording in like a long time. I don't remember when episode five was recorded, but it was quite some time ago. And now we are all set to record some more episodes and hopefully release them on a regular schedule. So we're sort of committed to doing this. I hope you're excited. Yeah. <laughs> Grab your grab your pants, grab a hold of your pants and buckle in for this ride. One of the things that I really wanted to do for the next episode was cover something that we didn't in the first five episodes. When I conceptualized the show, I was hoping to cover video games as well, which is something that I think we both have a lot of experience with. Uh, however, you know, bear in mind, neither of us are, you know, video game creators or or programmers. We don't do that stuff. We're not designers either. So just, you know, keep that in mind when listening to this. It comes a lot from like a fan perspective. I mean, we can make comments on design choices and stuff like that, but we don't have any type of real world experience in creating design choices for video games. Um, we both have had previous experience with choices in filmmaking and writing, but with video games, it's not something either of us has really uh, worked on. But yeah, what's nice, too, is that we are coming at this from like a place of love. There's not going to be a lot of criticism necessarily or like heavy criticism where we're trying to review a game or anything, which is also not something I feel we're capable of. We could give like a very personal review, but it's not like we could do something like what IGN does or anything. Yeah, it's just because we're just talking about what we like. Yeah, we're just talking about what we like. So. Yeah, I just wanted to welcome everyone back. Thank you to anyone that listened to the first five episodes and is uh, listening to this one as well. If you're a new listener, also thank you for listening. Really can't say that enough. I was amazed that anybody listened. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're in the year 2031 and we're really big now and you're just going back and listening to the the back catalog, also welcome. Welcome. Also, why are you here? Yeah, you're about to hit that unsubscribe button. <laughs> because I'm sure it's not good, comparatively. Hopefully we're better by 2031, you know, for still That's doing this. So, <laughs> I didn't look that far ahead when we talked about this, and now I'm like, is it the dream? But we can talk about that another time, maybe. We'll create our dream board for this podcast sometime. We'll create our dream board and someday, someday we'll do a live show and that'll be the only way that we record in the same room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's let's get into the topic and I'm going to do an overview really of the games that are relevant to Metroid Dread. I'm not going to do so much of a huge overview for Metroid in general, though this will sort of introduce that because it does start the story does start in the first metroid but i'm going to focus more on the story for this instead of necessarily the history of the games 
So for the totally uninitiated, Metroid is a platforming and shooting game made by Nintendo where you scour a planet alone for power-ups to fully explore all of the branching paths and areas to complete the game. It is one half of the portmanteau genre Metroidvania, which basically denotes the gameplay is as I stated. The other game that sort of makes up that portmanteau is Castlevania, which really didn't adopt that format until after Super Metroid with the PS1 game Symphony of the Night. But that was such a popular and well-known one um, that it sort of became a marker of the genre. So Metroid Dread is the 11th game in the Metroid series and the sixth and final game in the story started in the original Metroid. So Metroid slash its remake Metroid Zero Mission starts with bounty hunter Samus Aran fighting the space pirates and Mother Brain to stop them from using the parasitic Metroids as biological weapons. I also believe that she destroys the homeworld of mother brain or the space pirates or their ship or something usually it's sort of a a common trope at the end of metroid games that you have to escape as everything around you is blowing up so there's a lot of planet explosions then metroid 2 and its remake metroid return of samus finds her at the metroid homeworld out to eradicate the entire race but saves a metroid hatchling she delivers said hatchling to the federation her constant employer for research we also find out later, or maybe this is re- revealed at some point, but she used to work as a soldier for the Federation, which will be sort of relevant later. In Super Metroid, which is yet to be remade, the space pirates steal the Metroid and take it to planet Zebs to attempt to clone it. Samus fights Ridley and Mother Brain again and is saved by the full-grown Metroid hatchling after it sacrificed itself, thus eradicating the race. Technically, Other M takes place in the next spot, uh, but I can't remember the plot of the game and I don't really care to. It's not all that relevant to our purposes here. It was released after Metroid Fusion, which I guess is sort of a prequel. The next game in the spot is Metroid Fusion, where Samus investigates shape-shifting parasites called the X and is infected with them. The X have run rampant since Samus eradicated the Metroids, their only predator. Her life is saved by Metroid cells taken from the now-deceased hatchling. She can now absorb the X parasites and faces off against the X version of herself, SAX. This game introduced more horror elements into the game and a greater sense of dread with an unbeatable enemy this will be relevant in the final game metroid dread now alex i just wanted to take a brief moment here and ask you've only played super metroid of those games yes i've only played i've only played super metroid which a lot of people consider to be the best one just because it's mixture of open exploration with it is just a better version of the first two metroids like there is a template from the first game but i think the rest of the games and the genre as a whole comes from Super Metroid. Yeah, the Metroidvania genre. Metroid Dread was conceived by the series director and original character designer Yoshio Sakamoto. He was not the original director of Metroid, but he was the original character designer. And he conceived it after Fusion was released when he wanted to build upon the sense of fear and dread they utilized in Fusion. Sakamoto attempted this at least twice in the DS era, 2005 and 2009. Both were scrapped due to not meeting Sakamoto's expectations. He felt the technology was too limited to really give the sense of an intimidating enemy. The name Metroid Dread has been around since 2005 when it appeared in an internal Nintendo software list for key DS games to be released in the future. The game did not show at E3 that year, and rumors started to spread that the game was cancelled or in development hell. 
Another release date of November 2006 was listed in the February 2006 issue of official Nintendo magazine, which it's unclear that the magazine was even official, which makes me question how you can do that. But it's also like, why would they know anything about when this is going to release or why would they have that listed anywhere? And the game failed to appear at E3 2006. It had since become sort of a myth, the game that would never come out, wishful thinking for Metroid fans that hardly ever got a new game. Metroid Prime 3 references Project Dread being complete, but fails to elaborate or deserve to get to do that. They said it was coincidental, but like, come on. I can't believe they actually did that to fans, which was not something that had occurred to me when I originally planned it. Um, but yeah, for the US release, it Metroid Prime 3 at the end credits says Project Dread is complete. <laughs> which really just i guess teased fans i don't understand why they would do that then in 2010 sakamoto said that they would start from scratch if they returned to dread in 2011 ign listed as a game in danger as that was really a game at that point they had previously reported that the story was done and that nintendo could revisit it i i sort of hesitate to to I don't know. Again, why would why would you as a publication say like, oh, this is going to be a game in danger when like you have no idea if it's actually a game. Basically, anything that we had known up until that point was that it had been scrapped multiple times. I mean, I think they were just like reporting on rumors and they knew somebody who worked at Nintendo of America that had more or even just Nintendo, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And they were like told like, oh, yeah, the story's done. This is such a an aside, but I've been really bummed out by canceled games in the past. There was a Kirby game for the GameCube that was going to be like the traditional platforming type Kirby game with multiple partners and everything kind of similar to Kirby Superstar, um, which they I think later utilized for Kirby's Return to Dreamland for the Wii. But regardless i remember being so excited for that game and like looking up constantly on ign to see whether or not the game had a release date or anything and the game ended up canceled so to sort of like have ign being like oh it's a game in danger before it was really kind of a game i i don't know i feel kind of iffy on but i think that's maybe more common back in the day than it is now yeah that's probably true i mean i think we get so much more information in general from companies but i mean even the surprise release of this game may be the exception to that. Yeah. Well, Nintendo's been doing that too. So yeah, to sort of get into that, Sakamoto would go on to deny that Metroid Other M and the 2017 remake of Samus Returns had any connection to Dread. It kind of turns out that Samus Returns was in fact connected because surprise, at E3 2021, Nintendo announced that Metroid Dread isn't dead. It's made by Nintendo and Mercury's team, a Spanish developer in Madrid that did amazing work on Samus Returns. They basically showed a cool trailer, said it was Metroid Dread, and it was out in four months, which is how you should announce a game, honestly. Yeah, I wish more games were announced that way rather than it being like three years from now, we'll have yeah. something to go with this title. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, honestly. Great. Well, which is sort of how it's been with Metroid Prime 4, which is what everyone was expecting to see. That's that's part of what was such a big surprise about it is that Metroid Prime 4 was what we expected to see at E3 this past year. And then we just, surprise, 
here's a 2D Metroid game. No news on Metroid 4, but to to get into that, Alex, you had a little bit of different feelings maybe about the game when it was announced. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess my, my feeling is mostly indifference and slight confusion. So I'll, I'll start off and say that while I have played some Metroid games, I am not the biggest fan of the series. <laughs> the parts of it that I really love are generally the the Metroidvania ones, the 3D games. I have about zero interest in. The only three Metroid games that I have played are Super Metroid, Metroid Hunters, and Metroid Prime 3. I played Hunters first. I think it's the first Metroid game I played and I did not like it. I bought it so that I could play it with friends on um, our DSs, and I did not like it. <laughs> the aim with the touch screen. Uh, yeah, I remember trying to control that because you got a demo with it of it with the DS, and you could play with other people with that demo, but yeah, it, it was a mess. Yeah, the controls were a mess. Like, it's just, uh, it's bad. And then I played Super Metroid because I got really into retro consoles and stuff, and I had gotten a, a Super Nintendo as a gift. So I got really into retro games. I don't have Super Metroid for Super Nintendo. I think I ended up playing it on an emulator, but really enjoyed it. I had played the Castlevania game, so I'd gotten so I was like, oh cool, I got the best of, of both of the Metroidvania genre. And then when Prime 3 came out, all of my friends were playing Prime 3. So I bought it and got about halfway through it and sold it back to GameStop. That is my experience with Metroid up until this point. I have not played Dread, but I did watch Greg play it for if all goes well a little supplemental video that will be on YouTube with a link in the description of the podcast you can watch a wonderful gameplay the two of us talking over it and just sort of talking about Metroid in general and talking a little bit about the game me explaining it a little bit yeah if all goes well that will be up on our YouTube channel that we have do we have a YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll take me like two seconds to create it. Okay, we'll make a YouTube channel and then we'll upload it. So <laughs> We're professionals. At the time of this recording, we don't have a YouTube channel, but we'll we'll get there. Don't We've worry. Created, we've recorded a video for a non-existent YouTube channel. Yeah, in my head, I was like, oh, it'll take two seconds. I'll do it when I need to go do it. But yeah, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, this we could edit this out. We could not. This So far, the recording has been a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> this has been, yeah, this has been a little bit of a wild ride. <laughs> All this to say that so when Metroid Dread was announced and I saw that there was like, oh, Metroid Dread announced at E3 and everyone was going crazy for it. I was like, cool. And then just kind of like moved on. And then I just kept hearing more people talk about it. And I was just even more confused because I didn't understand the backstory behind this title. I had heard absolutely nothing about Metroid Dread until e3 2021 see for me i had not heard anything about it until e3 2021 but having played samus returns the uh, metroid 2 remake i was really excited because i loved that game um, and that was really good and that inspired me to go back and play metroid fusion which i don't think i had ever beaten before just because uh, metroid fusion is kind of weird in this series, people tend to critique it for being a little too, it's more mission based. So you kind of get sent somewhere instead of doing a more full exploration. 
it's got a lot of the similar elements within areas, but it is more of like a you get told what to do and where to go. It also is rather at times I felt like it was difficult to know how to move forward, at least when I was a kid. It would frustrate me because I didn't know what to do. Super Metroid's not all that different, but Metroid Fusion, some of it seemed rather esoteric. One of the things that I loved about Metroid Fusion and that I think was the big inspiration for Dread is the fights or the chase scenes or any time that you had to interact with SAX was really, really well done. It is one of the few things in like a side-scrolling era that I felt was terrifying. And I definitely felt that growing up. And that's another reason why I had a hard time playing the game when it originally came out or growing up is because I was just terrified. And I think that makes for a really interesting experience. For me personally, what I have played and a lot of these I have played uh, long after they came out, I have played and beaten every game or remake of a game uh, in the Metroid series. I had played the original Metroid, but never beaten it. I played Metroid 2, but never beaten it. But I have beaten Zero Mission and I have beaten Samus Returns. And the only games I haven't beaten is half of Prime 2 because that game's hard and I didn't think it was fun. Hunters, because we've talked about this already. And Federation Force, because I don't know anyone that played that. Wait, what is Federation Force? Federation Force is a game that they announced, I think, at the Nintendo World Championships before E3. And it is like a multiplayer cooperative sort of game where you play as like Federation. You play as like little chibi Federation people and you have to go save Samus or something because she got kidnapped. Is this Zelda Four Swords, but Metroid? Think more of Zelda Triforce Heroes, but Metroid. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was real goofy and nobody was happy about it. <laughs> it was announced, it came out, and I don't remember hearing like anything about it after it came out. But regardless, that has been my experience. So I have played through a vast majority of the games. As far as the 3D Metroids go, I think Prime is the best. I like the design elements the most. And it feels like it translates the Metroid games to the 3D the best. And then... Super Metroid, I still think, is probably the best of the 2D side-scrollers. Just because I, I was re-watching gameplay of that, and I love the design elements of Super Metroid. I think that kind of got lost in translation to the 2.5D. But, like, that game looks just really cool. And I miss the design elements. And for the most part, it's got a lot of the other stuff that the newer games have. So it's kind of hard to beat. So that's kind of my experience. I guess I, I'm rather storied, but not... It was not a, a series that I was necessarily super invested in until maybe my late college, college to, to post-college career. So when Metroid Dread came out, I was excited to play it. I was more excited about that than if they had shown anything about Metroid Prime 4. It was out in like four months, so it was hard not to be hyped for it. And it came out and it really lives up to the hype. I mean, we can kind of get into the basics of it. Honestly, like... The game just controls so well. It feels so good to play. 
that is just one of the most basic but best compliments you can give a game is that it just feels good to play. The firing mechanic takes a little bit of getting used to. Mercury Steam introduced this in the Metroid 2 remake in which if you hold the trigger button, you can aim in any direction. So you can move the control stick to aim in any direction and fire which does take a little bit of getting used to. Even though I had played Metroid 2, it still took a little bit of getting used to that. And what's really nice about it is that it allows for more varied enemy movement and actions since you can fire in more directions. Instead of, say, the Super Metroid in which I think you had maybe like eight directions to fire in, you can fire in any number. That makes for a lot more interesting gameplay. And then the platforming feels really, really good. Just running through the world and how fast you move, how quickly you can jump and jump up onto things, bounce off of things, wall jump, all of that just feels really good. The sliding mechanic is also a good addition because it makes for just a really quick and easy way to move through the world. Metroid games in general, at least the 2D ones, you get better rewards or you get rewarded for completing the game faster. You also get rewarded for the amount of items that you collect. So the higher percentage of items that you collect, you get rewarded for, but you also get rewarded for completing it faster. And so to introduce new elements that allow you to complete the game faster and feel really talented and good while doing that is great. The other thing that's introduced in Metroid 2 was the melee mechanic in which you can counter or flick your gun, your blaster arm to counter enemies. And that's also something that takes a great bit of skill to like be able to work out. But again, that more melee and visceral attack really feels good. And it feels a lot more like in previous Metroids, you might get hurt by something because you get hurt by something to touch when you touch it. But to have the ability to be able to counter that feels really nice and feels a lot more like, well, if I get hurt, it's my fault. Yeah. And it, it looked difficult to do, too, which like the parry. Yeah, the parry. Yeah. And just about any enemy in the game can be parried or at least has an attack that can be parried. So so that's another thing that goes into it of like, well, if I get really good at the parry, I'll take less damage and I can also defeat enemies faster. So it's a really good mechanic that they introduced. And like I said, a lot of a lot of this carried over from the Metroid 2 remake that they did in 2017. But I've been really impressed with just how good it feels on the switch. And part of that is, you know, the bigger controls, the just sort of nice thing about the hardware. The game also looks good. The lighting is nice. That's something that I don't know that you can say a lot about 2D games, but there's a lot of lighting effects in it that I think look good. And there's plenty to look at in any given screen. There's lots of depth in the environments. But I will say I do kind of miss the Giger uh, design elements from Super Metroid. And I'm kind of curious, Alex, in general, what you thought of the gameplay. It looked really good. It reminded me a lot of a game that I really enjoyed playing, which was Shadow Complex. It reminded me quite a bit of of that game, which is funny to say, because I think obviously Shadow Complex took a lot from Metroid to begin with. But the two and a half D elements felt very, very reminiscent of that game. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, the gameplay looked very smooth. The graphics look great. There's definitely a level of, like, I, I want to say dread, but to the 
the Emmy yeah, encounters. The enemy, yeah. yeah, I forget what they're called. I definitely am interested in playing it after watching you play it. I'm not just like completely uninterested now. I'm actually interested in playing it. So, I, I mean, I think that that speaks highly of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, what I like about it and what's what's good about certain games is that you don't have to be super skilled in order to get through the story. You know what I mean? Like the game will really reward you for being skilled, but your skills will grow over time and then you can get better and better and better. So once you start again, which Metroid rewards you for doing so, it feels so good to go in knowing what you're doing and being good at the game. So you get better over time and the game allows for that, but it feels so good to come back and start from the beginning again. So I was having a great time replaying it for you because we did start at the beginning because I had already beaten it. One of the things I'll say, too, is that um, the game difficulty hits a really sweet spot for me where I think it does pose a challenge, but it didn't feel like insurmountable. Also, like with the Emmy encounters. Right before you enter in, it saves. So that's sort of a checkpoint that you go back to. So you might die a lot there, but at least it's not like, well, I have to go back to my most recent save point. It draws a nice balance in difficulty where where the really difficult parts are. You don't have to do a lot to return there. And I think that's what's good. And for a Nintendo game, it's pretty difficult. It's not too difficult, but it's pretty difficult. I would say that like what stands out to me is sort of the, the dynamic boss fights, which Alex, you saw a little bit of the first boss fight where you have the melee attack and every boss at least has some moment where you can counter them and you get these short cutscenes where you can lay into the bosses. One of the things that I think is interesting about it, and you can sort of give your opinion on this, is that in, in say, Super Metroid, you basically have a very limited set of movements, and your main goal is to just lay into the boss as much as possible with, like, your charge beam or your missiles. In Metroid Dread you have a little wider range of actions. So what you're trying to accomplish or how you avoid the boss is much more nuanced. What the boss can do is more nuanced. Having to aim is much more nuanced. And it's not so much about, well, I have to figure out, like, if I do super missiles, like, how much damage will that do? Or is that effective against the boss? Or can I use regular missiles? Is the charge shot effective? Stuff like that. It's not so much about what you're using as much as it is about being able to avoid the attacks and really do the most damage. Yeah, I definitely think that there's, in comparison to the older Metroid games, there's more of strategy to what you're doing with the wider range of movements, wider range of mechanics in general. I think that there's definitely, they give you more tools to work with when fighting the bosses. I definitely got that sense watching you play it, that there was, um, you had to kind of strategize a little bit. And if you were having difficulty beating it, you had to kind of adjust. I feel like with older Metroid games, the boss fights are a lot of, there's strategy to it. And there's definitely things you can do 
differently each time you try it in order to do better, but it is mostly just about doing the most amount of damage as fast as possible. Yeah, and like learning to avoid attacks, but even then they seem to come at you so quickly. I rewatched the Game Grumps play Super Metroid recently just to sort of help me get an idea of, refresh myself on where Metroid had come from in order to talk a little bit better about Metroid Dread. That was helpful because I think one of the most interesting things that they do in that game in a boss fight is that there's a certain boss that if you use super missiles on, it does a ton of damage, but he automatically does this really hard to avoid attack. So if you're really good, you can use super missiles and you can try and avoid that attack. But if you're not as good, you don't want to use super missiles. And in this, they don't necessarily have anything like that. But every boss is sort of like, well, if you're really good, you can dodge all of their attacks. And if you're trying to get through the game as fast as possible, you're not going to have, you know, as much health or as many missiles because you have to go out of your way for those. You get these interesting trade offs in the game of whether or not you can. Do I want to try and be a completionist about it and make the game a little easier or am I going for a run through to try and get through the game as quick as possible to challenge myself a little bit more? One of the things that really blew me away about this, the cutscenes, something interesting to say about a modern day video game, because a lot of times cutscenes can be really drawn out or overdone. But the way that Metroid Dread utilizes cutscenes is really, really good. We get to see Samus be just a total badass, basically. It feels a lot more like we know Samus and we get to know Samus through her actions in this game than in any previous game. And the cutscenes do a lot of legwork for that. And I'll sort of talk about it a little bit later because it has a lot of reflection on Samus's character. One thing I wanted to point out is that we do, other than Metroid M, we do get to see Samus speak for the first time. It's in the Chozo language. She speaks one line and it's in the Chozo language, which, you know, historically Samus was raised by the Chozo after she became orphaned in a war, I think. So she meets this Chozo character and he's explaining the situation. He's sort of giving the rundown on the story. And Samus speaks one line back to him in the Chozo language of like, I will finish what I started or I will put an end to this. And it really, really resonates and it really deserves that moment. And I think that's something that's really impressive in a game that has, you know, not that many cutscenes in a game that doesn't have that in depth of a story to have a moment like that, that really resonates and still sticks with me of like, wow, what a cool moment that was. Can you explain what the Chozo are? So the Chozo are the sort of like bird looking people in previous games. You get power-ups from chozo statues oh okay got you yeah so those are the chozo they're like an ancient race with multiple tribes and stuff and that plays into the story i can't recall this game might also be the first time we ever meet a living chozo and there are a number of them i don't know that we've ever met a chozo before but i'm not a hundred percent sure on that okay that's cool so that is a really cool moment. And then again, to hear that language spoken and then have Samus speak it back for her one and only line is really, really cool. You know, it sort of delves into the like, I think the story is actually pretty great. It's surprisingly effective at putting an end on the story of Metroid so far. 
everything really culminates into one. So we get to see the X again. We finally get to see the Chozo that we've heard so much about and have only seen statues of. The villain, Ravenbeak, who is another Chozo from a different tribe from the sort of more mystic tribe. Basically, the one tribe that she speaks with, the one character that's left, whose name is escaping me, he's from a more mystic tribe, whereas Ravenbeak is more from a warrior tribe. And it sort of gives further background and further clues us in on what kind of upbringing or why Samus is the way that she is. So getting to see those in action is great. But I also think that Ravenbeak in general is an intimidating villain. And I think they introduce him in a great way. And the boss fight at the end really lives up to that because it is really, it's very tough. <laughs> it's a very tough boss fight. And the reveal that they have in that is kind of out of nowhere, but it still kind of feels like an oh damn moment when it happens. Because it really, it really, I don't know. It really does feel kind of out of nowhere, but somehow it just makes sense in the in the realm of the story. The ending feels really great. I don't want to spoil it because the story is not really the main focus that we're talking about. But the ending is very satisfying and very cool. It's interesting because as you're speaking, I guess one of the one of the things that I have a difficulty with the series in general is the story. I can never remember any story from any Metroid game. But what you're describing right now, it sounds very interesting and makes me want to play it. <laughs> I am much more attached to story than gameplay mechanics. If the story's good, I can play any type of game. So like I it, what you're saying like sounds actually very interesting. If I don't I don't know if this is just very subtle story that you pick up on throughout or if it's like actually a main driver of the game, but what you're describing sounds like something I would want to play. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think it strikes a good balance, especially for like a 2D platformer Nintendo game. It strikes a good balance between having a lot of story and and gameplay. There's not a lot to it, but there is like a lot of it you, sort of explains this the story to you. But there are very pivotal moments that really you get to see in action. But a lot of it is characters sort of explaining some of the background and what's happening. So it gives context to what you're doing, but it doesn't necessarily define what you're doing, if that makes sense. But I, I felt like that was really well done, partially because what they what little story they do have in there, which is common throughout the series as well, is that there's not a lot of story. Usually, I think in other Metroids, you pretty much get like a beginning and an end. And this one, you get a lot more. But... It's a lot about giving context for what's happening. So it is a bit more action based than through gameplay, whereas the, the story is just sort of describing in cutscenes. But what I think is the main driving force for what keeps it interesting and what keeps the story moving is actually Samus's character, which is what's really good about it is that Samus's character is done right. Uh, and I was kind of curious as to like what you think of Samus as a character from your limited experience. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Samus is an interesting character, <laughs> at least from my experience playing the games. And I think this goes back to 
uh, my issues with the stories a little bit. It's just that I can never remember anything about her or right. her backstory or anything like that. And then the one game which that tried to like add a lot of depth to her story, but just like straight up just like shot themselves in the face with it was the other M which I only know about because my roommate in college played that game and I heard a lot about it and he described the story to me and what was wrong with it and I was like I didn't know that there was a story to her that to mess up but somehow (laughs) that game decided to that's one of the things I struggle with with these games is that I think she's a cool character I just think she's there's a lot of potential there that I think is wasted because the games aren't interested in story as much as I would like them to be. And I think that there is a lot of interesting material embedded in the world that I would enjoy a more structured story with. Yeah. And I do think you get that with Metroid Dread. Like I said, it is... It is more. It is more told through gameplay. That's fine. Than say cutscenes or anything, but I think the cutscenes are used effectively. What I think Metroid has suffered from greatly is that Sakamoto has taken missteps. I think with Samus's character. So one of the complaints about Metroid Fusion was that it delves a little bit into her past with a character called Adam, which was her supervisor or superior in in the Federation when she was a soldier there. And Metroid Other M and Metroid Fusion deal a bit with that um, because her onboard computer is based on the personality of Adam. And part of what the struggle is that Fusion dealt with is that she seemed to have a really hard time with the death of the Metroid hatchling in Super Metroid and was sort of like very ruminating on that. And sort of had a little bit of a motherly instinct towards that, while also being led around incorrectly, being used by the AI computer that was based on her superior. And so she's sort of ruminating on the death of the Metroid and her previous superior who had passed away. I think he'd been killed. And just, it's a very like more emotional Samus and a more sentimental Samus than I think people really had the idea of. And then Metroid Other M really just sort of blows it of just sort of making her this kind of sniveling, can't do anything for herself woman that will just follow orders to a fault. Isn't she like pining after Adam? Like she basically like the whole yeah. time she's just like the whole time it's just sad Samus about because Adam's dead or something a lot of flashbacks to like her in love with him is my understanding yeah which i again i barely remember i actually remember the gameplay to other m being fine for the most part i just don't remember anything about the story other than it was bad yeah i also could be totally wrong so because i didn't play the game (laughs) so they they had this huge misstep because super metroid you really get to She's as badass as you are at the game is really how it is for Super Metroid and Metroid 2 and the original Metroid. Whereas when they started to put more story into the games is when Samus's character started to suffer. And I think what they really accomplished in Metroid Dread is doing Samus the way that she deserves to be done. 
she gets to be a total badass. Like the cutscenes do a lot. They're short. She doesn't say anything, but you see her expressions and you see that she's she's a total badass and fights with enemies that she's met before. You fight Kraid again or someone like Kraid and she's just completely undaunted by this. And she just blasts bad guys away with nonchalance and she could be surprised but not daunted by new enemies and there's a lot of emotion in her facial expression behind the visor there can be surprise anger like whatever sort of feeling so i really feel that sakamoto understood the criticism from other m and wrote the version of samus that she kind of deserves to be and we deserve to be and there are so many cool moments in the game from one you being good at the game but also the having the cutscenes and the way that Samus is treated in the cutscenes reflect that. It does feel like she's experienced 10 games worth of adventure at this point. She's a seasoned veteran adventurer at this point. And that feels so good in the moment. It is really cool. It's fun. It really accomplishes everything that it should with Samus's character where it doesn't have to add a whole lot. It delves into her backstory, but she's not like this crying or pining girl we get to see who she is now and it's just a total badass and it's it's really really cool i I can't express that enough yeah i would say you definitely get that sense even just watching it i remember thinking that i was like oh wow this actually feels like they actually course corrected from other m yeah and they really did It, it was nice to see a game that sort of accomplishes Again, with so little, so much, it wildly succeeds in that point. I feel like we all sort of deserve that, too. Because she was one of the first prominent female characters in gaming that you would actually play as when you think about it. And it was this big surprise that you were playing as a woman the whole time. I think it's good that she finally gets to be written the way that she should be which is a powerful character that's not free of emotion or not too cool, but is experienced. Yeah, is like a total badass and deserves the, the place in like the story that she has. Exactly. Like she, she is the main character. She is interesting and flawed, but a total badass and complicated. You already kind of get that sense from even just from the little bit of of dread that i saw like you kind of i don't know there was just like a better vibe <laughs> right than when i watched or played other games yeah it just felt more cohesive in terms of her character in general too right i think that makes a huge difference because part of what some games struggle with specifically action games is that sometimes i think of like the devil may cry series where the the characters are just too cool you know what i mean like they're not they just like don't react to anything. They're like, huh, whatever. And they're too cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so true. And Metroid Dread doesn't, in the emotions that they show on Samus's face, don't do that. And I think that's great. I, I'm just really blown away by how much they could do with so little that they actually did. And so that's pretty much it alex did you have any thoughts on metroid dread that you wanted to say anything else other than just i think this experience of watching you play and us talking about it has got me more interested in it 
I don't know. There's a few other games that I want to buy before it, but I I added it to my Nintendo wish list. So it's nice. Uh, Nintendo games never go on sale, really. So I don't know. I'll, no, I'll have don't. to I'll have to shell sixty bucks at some point for it. But <laughs> yeah, or just borrow mine. Oh, did you get physical copy? Yeah, I've got a physical copy. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's my takeaway is that you got me from completely indifferent to wanting to play it. Really, for me, I feel like Metroid Dread doesn't revolutionize the series, and it definitely still has its flaws. Like, it's not a perfect game, but I do feel like it really perfects the platforming and shooting of the series so far, and it's just downright fun to play, and to me, that's what matters most. I replayed a little over half of it in preparation for this and i just had a blast the second time around and even beyond the gameplay i think it finally nails down one of the first prominent female protagonists in video games and i think she deserves that and i think we deserve that so if you haven't played the game give it a shot i feel like you're missing out if you don't play one of the most like storied nintendo franchises at this point and yeah, that's it. So I, I guess we're good to go into recommendations. Alex, did you want to start this week? I was deciding between a couple of recommendations, and I think the one I'm going to go with, we've been watching this show called The Great. It's on Hulu. And it is a an occasionally true story about Catherine the Great. So it's a fictionalized retelling of Catherine the Great of Russia, who is played by Elle Fanning, and her husband king peter son of peter the great is played by nicholas holt it is written and created by tony mcnamara who is the writer for the movie the favorite if you've seen the favorite you kind of know i haven't i mean you haven't but if our audience has seen the favorite (laughs) um, (laughs) it's a kind of goofy anachronistic portrayal of history Characters don't necessarily behave how we expect them to behave in those time periods. They don't necessarily talk in in the way in which we expect them to talk. There's a kind of modern sense of humor to the favorite and to the great. It's not staunchy. They're almost parodies while also being engrossing stories on their own. There's definitely aspects of it that if it played more into it would just be straight up making fun of the genre. And with the favorite, when you combine that sense of writing with Yorgos Lanthimos's directing, who did The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer, you get a very strange and wonderful movie. So if you haven't seen that, side recommendation, bullet point A, or B, <laughs> watch The Favorite. But also main recommendation, watch The Great. It's really good. Elle Fanning is really good. Nicholas Holt is, uh, you love to hate him. And also find him somewhat endearing in some ways. But if you don't know much about Catherine the Great, Catherine the Great of Russia went on to do a lot for creating schools for for women, increasing the literacy rate of Russia at the time. A lot of what we would call now like social like social projects, building schools, building the literacy rate increasing the life expectancy and all of that of of russia at the time she would be labeled a progressive now and so it's a very interesting story and i would definitely recommend the great if you haven't watched it 
that does sound really good. I'm going to go ahead and recommend another comic book series. I know I've recommended Hellboy before, but one that I read recently and was really impressed by was Batman the Imposter. It's written by Matt Tomlin, who is the screenwriter for The Batman, the new Batman movie coming out. I think it's now coming out March of this year. It takes place in the same universe as the Batman, so it's a little bit of an introduction into that universe. And basically the idea is that someone is pretending to be the Batman and he's killing people for vigilante reasons. So he is obviously still enacting justice to a certain degree, but he's just murdering people somewhat indiscriminately. And the public is sort of turning on Batman and he's trying to figure out how to catch this imposter before things get worse for him. It's not like the most, wow, Batman story, but the art in it is really incredible. And the way that it can tell a compelling story and something that feels kind of fresh and new in the span of three books is is really impressive to me. All three of the comics are out but I think in February of this year, they're going to be doing a trade paperback uh, of all three. So I would definitely recommend that. I really, really enjoyed it. I went to my comic book store to find that on your recommendation and I could not find the first issue. So I'm just waiting on the trade at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. And I again, the art, I think, is really kind of what sells me on it. The story is pretty good. And like I said, it's a compelling story. And I was excited to figure out what was going to happen next in between each chapter. But the art, I think, really pushes it over the edge of like, oh, this is very good. So, yeah, that's a recommendation for me. Super hyped for the Batman to come out. And we'll see if that's good, too. On that note, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like, you can follow us on Twitter at at Better With You 2. That's at better with you two, number two. And if you want to talk to us, you're free to reach out to us at betterwithyoupod at gmail.com. That would be great. I don't know what we're going to do with the mail yet. We haven't received anything yet, but we'll read it. Other than that, thank you so much. You can get us on your favorite podcasting app. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Overcast. We're on CastBox. We're on Stitcher. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, and feel free. I don't know how all of those work, but like, rate, subscribe, tell a friend, however any of that works. And... Again, just thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you look forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone.